Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Chris Trollio of Kawasaki-shi, Japan. Chris will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Katie Mitchell, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspire their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Criminal Intent, Season 6, Episode 13, Albatross. So Gullis was supposed to wear the gray. But yeah, he got shot in rehearsal, but Judge Layton got... So you think... Best shot of the killer's life... And he hit the wrong guy. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you for having me on, Kevin. And rounding out our panel is our special returning guest from a date with Dateline. It's Katie Mitchell. Hello, Katie. Thank you for having me back. I couldn't stay away from Vincent. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) So look, right now on SVU, uh, they brought Stabler back for endless crossovers. And even the characters on the show say they don't know how to define the Benson-Stabler relationship at this moment. But it is enough to make the Benslers out there think it is finally happening. Hmm. Their, their, Their motto is... E slash O is the end goal. It's like a QAnon kind of thing. So, Katie, I'm wondering, do you have you know any thoughts about the relationship, about character relationships? Because for some folks, it's a big deal. Yeah. You mean between those two specific characters? Yeah. I mean, I have to kind of avoid that part of the franchise because I want it so badly for them. And I feel like I'm never satisfied. And I know that Kimberly, my counterpart, on a date with Dateline has a red string wall that all leads to them getting together. It's a big wall in her house. It's like, well, this happened on this date and this happened in this and this. So, but they've, how close have they actually gotten? You guys can tell me. There's face touching. Um, There's like intimate. Deep longing eyes. Deep longing eyes. There's hand holding. There's been like some standing close to each other at night on the street in the rain, looking at each other deeply kind of things. And like, a lot of uh, the whisper acting, as your oh. partner calls it, Olivia Benson yes. whisper acting, like up close in the face. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's good yeah. stuff. Okay. See, I like that. See, I was very invested. If you guys remember Alias, 
when Sydney and her male counterpart, I'm forgetting his name, I feel yes. like it was Mike. Will? Will, Will. Yeah. When they had their moment where they finally got together, I, I was so excited. I was like calling friends. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way. It was the guy, yeah, it was the actor who we've never seen again that wasn't, wasn't Bradley Cooper, but he was hotter. Correct. That one, right? Yes. <laughs> so, Katie, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Uh, oh, you have to ask me. Goran and Eames. <gasps> yeah. Nice. It is a solid pick. I've, I've really warmed on that pairing mm. over the years. Because of Eames. <laughs> because of, <laughs> For me, that's why. <laughs> and do you have a favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. I think it's the Angie Harmon, Sam Watterson duo is my favorite yeah. prosecutorial team to watch. I loved them together on the original law and order. They were my favorite. Because she was kind of badass. Is that why? Yeah, she's kind of. An, I love to watch her and I like to listen to her. She's also my favorite prosecutorial team. I even watch Rizzoli and Isles. That's how much I like her. Is it good? Do you recommend? Wow. No. Oh. It's not. <laughs> All right. But I watch it anyway. It's great. It's great and She's bad fun to watch. Time. I like her. She's amazing. Yeah. She's fun. You can tell that on the weekend she likes to beat up hobos. <laughs> you think so? You think there's something yeah. dark there? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, uh, just, just for fun. Sure. I can see that. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, Criminal Intent Season 6, Episode 13, Albatross. Well, we open on two men dressed as Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr reenacting their duel. Meantime, a faceless sniper is assembling his own rifle, and he's not throwing away his shot. (laughs) Wait, let me try again. Shot. I, I have to. <laughs> Kimberly is the biggest Hamilton fan on the planet. There are a few notes I have to hit here. That was one of them. I already missed it. Oh, <laughs> so in front of a crowd that includes apparent history nerd Captain David Ross, Hamilton is killed during the reenactment. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. So the entry wound is through his back. How many gunshots did you hear? Just two from the pistols. Well... If there had been a boat, you would have seen it or heard it. So that means that the kill shot came from over there? Across the river? That has to be a mile away. Hell of a shot. Burr is played by George Pagolis, noted tax cheat and husband of state senator Maureen Pagolis. The dead Hamilton is Judge Thomas Layton, and beneath his gray coat, he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Well, there's only one rifle in the world that can make that shot and use that bullet... And it would take a highly trained sniper to use it. Now, the feds say the judge was wearing a bulletproof vest because of a threat. That turned out to be nothing. Gorn and Eames learned that the judge and Pagolis switched jackets at the last minute to accommodate the bulky vest. Was someone targeting Pagolis instead? Through a series of stiff and highly improbable man-on-the-street interviews, we hear Senator Pagolis is deeply respected, but her ne'er-do-well husband's tax evasion and womanizing is dragging down her political career. The detectives talk to Pagolis' driver, who suggests they tail Mr. Pagolis to a restaurant where he's having dinner with another woman. Later that night, the Pagolises get into a fight about their marriage, and George throws Maureen on the bed, fade to black. Mm. So why are people coming to see a judge and an ex-con shoot at each other? I don't know. 
(laughs) (laughs) Hey, kids. It's a really good question. (laughs) Like, Ross is like, hey, kids, let's go watch a duel. I mean, this isn't like the South with the Civil War reenactments, right? Somebody's paying for it, whether it's, you know, the city or the historical society or someone had to, like, rent those damn costumes and stuff. There were not a lot of people there. Governor's Island is not easy to get to, so I have no idea. Photo op? That's not where the duel happened. Photo op. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is that it? Maybe they set it up and there would be something. I don't. Was it on the anniversary? They don't mention that. Was No, just for fun, apparently. Yeah. And why would a judge do it with a tax cheat? Like, That's, yeah. They never explain that. They never explain why he is part of this at uh, all. Instant justice? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's really strange. So we have an Alexander Hamilton and an Aaron Burr, and because they're both white guys, we think the music would suck. Yes. But the show actually opens with Under Pressure from Queen and David Bowie. But who here is Under Pressure, really? I mean, if you're wearing britches and a long coat, you're pretty relaxed. <laughs> I have to say I was disappointed in the lack of I was thinking if they had gotten the rights to have that song it's a huge mm-hmm. song right you would think that yep. this would all be about like the pressure of politicians or do you, do you know what I'm saying you think mm-hmm. that's going to yeah. come into play in a big way and I kept waiting for it it's that yep nope nope that's so nope. I'm always disappointed when they get a song like that and they only use it once I mean, if I, if I bought the rights to that song to use in a television show like this, I'd have it playing in the background as restaurant music. I'd have it be like in the elevator, like the elevator, like yep. Ipanema version of it. I'd use it over and over again as a recurring theme in some way. Yep, absolutely. Nope. You'd think that they would use that song like when uh, Goran's about to interview somebody. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> totally wasted opportunity. Totally. We do get a running commentary and views of the Vox Populi from an obnoxious TV commentator who looks and sounds like a real-life obnoxious TV commentator. Not only was George previously indicted for embezzlement and perjury, he's been a material witness in connection with several mob investigations. You mean Nancy Grace Light? Yeah. That was weird. Actually, her name is Faith Yancey. Faith Yancey. I saw it on the Yeah, not Nancy Grace. Faith Yancey, who doesn't like a good... Nancy Grace ripoff. Uh, if only Nancy Grace did political commentary instead of crime. I mean, honestly, she might be like, I don't know, she'd be 80% less slappable, but there'd be like maybe fewer people in prison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the that. Result. <laughs> there is that. So they suspected that maybe the duel master was in on it because uh, he was signaling the sniper somehow by giving hand signals. And they find out, no, he just randomly uses American Sign Language when he's nervous. Who doesn't? Um, Who doesn't? Interesting. No. You signaled someone missed a few. I'm sorry. I, I try to remember not to sign, but sometimes when I'm nervous, I can't help it. My wife's deaf. We've been married for 30 years, so. Maybe he's just like, think about it this this way. Yeah. He just wants the duels to be accessible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is like, a, I mean, this is a city event. Mm-hmm. You know how when you go to watch a politician make a speech, yeah. usually someone yeah. doing ASL on the side. Correct. Yeah, um, this is a very small event with a low budget. They can't afford to have the person standing on the side. Right. So he just does the whole thing. Yeah, you have to use uh, historically accurate sign language. Exactly. For the for the time, of course, Gorn knows sign language. Of course, semaphore, Morse code, Braille. He starts to sign something to the man that he translates as, "Do you talk with your hands?" I'm thinking, 
Is that how Tarzan would ask if you know sign language? <laughs> mm, talk with hands. Make noise with fingers. <laughs> uh, also, I, I hate to I hate to point out the obvious, but that guy didn't do it. That no, the dual master. He's just not the one. Just you can tell from the casting. You're like, no, he's not involved. This guy is totally innocent. Just saying. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> All I know is that I'm very relieved to learn that the hands that the uh, American Sign Language symbol for firing a gun is literally doing gun fingers yeah. and firing it. I'm like, that's one that I know and will remember now because it's very obvious. I'm sure it'll come in handy at some point. <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. So we do have a couple of Hey, It's That Guys. Yeah, we do. Hey, it's that guy. Who's the actor playing douchebag husband George Pagolis? It's crazy, huh? My wife makes me do this dual thing and then Tommy gets shot for real. Anyone know his name? Xander? Sorry, Xavier? Yes. Is it Xander? Xander Berkeley. Yeah. He's been in a million things. He was the backstabbing motherfucking federal agent in Air Force One. Yes. He was John Connor's... uh, Dirtbag stepfather That's in Terminator right, 2. That's right, 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 right. Walking Dead. He also played George Mason in 24. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. He was the director of CTU, flew a plane over the desert to detonate a nuclear bomb because there was no other way to do it. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> He's a perpetual bad guy most of the time. He isn't is. He? Certainly kind of douchey, right? Yes. I think it's the weak chin makes you a professional bad guy, right? <laughs> the and the watery chin. eyes. Yeah. Exactly. The slightly droopy mm-hmm. bottom lids. Yeah. Yeah. It was on the set of 24 that he met his wife, actress Sarah Clark. Hmm. Oh. She was Nina, the backstabbing motherfucking federal agent there. So I guess it was a match made in heaven. Wow. He married Nina? Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, they're still together, thank goodness. Sander is an accomplished painter and sculptor. Hmm. And uh, he even created his own makeup that he used when he had radiation sickness on 24. Wow. So he comes in, he's like, um, I'm going to do my own thing. Thank you very much. <laughs> I brought this from home. We just, I'm just going to apply it. I'm going to sculpt my own face. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> every makeup artist is upset. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So he came from home with his little, like, glass jar and was like, I got this stuff. Yeah. I'm just going to. Maybe a Ziploc bag <laughs> or something like that. Double bagged. A, a, yeah. <laughs> I think this is, I'm interpreting my own radioactive rash. Mm. And I think this is what it would look like. Like, are you in the union? <laughs> They're not going to allow that. They're not. That's shocking. Wow. Good for him. All right. So who's playing chauffeur David Aldrin? Oh, that hot, like, Tay Diggs-looking guy? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but he was really handsome. I get paid. By Mr. Pagolas. That's right. I get paid to drive and to keep my mouth shut. Mike Coulter. (gasps) Yes! Mike Coulter. Right now, he's in the TV series Evil. Uh, He played Big Willie Little in Million Dollar Baby, but he is probably best known as Luke Cage on Marvel's Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Yes. According to the website, Luke Cage is a former convict with superhuman strength and unbreakable skin, who now fights crime and corruption with his fists. Nice. Yeah. He's second cousin to Viola Davis. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. And he's got an Instagram in which he mostly just shows off his abs. I would too. Yeah. If Did I you have those abs? abs? Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> uh, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had abs of any kind, I mean, that's all I would do. 
is just show them off. It's, it's funny because I, it's like I judge people. I mean, I don't judge people, but like I don't. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't particularly no, no. troll like looking for abs on Instagram. But I, when I see them, I just sort of like go by quickly. I just don't care. But I, I just, I also have to acknowledge like I would also completely do that if I looked that way. <laughs> I would I'd be like, huh. I'm just gonna reach up and get this can of peas off the top shelf. Yeah, don't mind me. Casually take a photo of me doing that, sir. Yeah, I would hundred percent do that. Like the situation made a literal career out of it. Exactly. That is all he does. Exactly. It's just exactly. the situation. And not pay his taxes. Yeah. Oh, no. G- gym tan laundry. <laughs> uh, did you spot who made a cameo as the U.S. attorney? Yes, I did. Please let me do this All one, right, please. Rebecca, you got it. That is Mr. Kelly Ripa, otherwise known as Mateo Santos from All My Children, Mark Consuelos. If you're looking for suspects, the U.S. attorney's office betting pool is... Six to one, George Pagolas. Thank you very much for letting me do that one. He was on All My Children when this episode aired, which also filmed the just Yeah, about the time he left. It was about yeah, that was about the crossover there. I think he was on All My Children until about two thousand ten, if I remember correctly. Uh, okay. Whatever. (laughs) He was on All My Children for a really long time, as was Kelly Ripa, his wife. Who is they are still married, by the way. They are. Yes. Uh, he is currently on the TV show Riverdale. Hmm. You know, I see him more as a, you know, that's the Archie and Jughead. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, modernization. I see him more as a Veronica guy, not a Betty guy myself. Let's be real, though. Like, Kelly is the big earner. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This is probably a hobby job for him. Let's give him something to do. Go on Riverdale, Mark. I actually um, think he's very handsome, and I was very happy to see him pop up in this episode. And would you like to see his abs? All I know, he didn't. They didn't use him enough. When he popped up, I thought he was going to be the one who did it. Frankly, <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense. Fun fact about Mark Consuelos. Yeah, I believe he performed the marriage ceremony of Howard Stern and his wife Beth when Howard Stern got remarried. Wow, isn't that weird? Why they're pretty tight too, aren't they? Yeah, because they're friends. Like they became friends shortly before that, and Mark Consuelos performed the wedding. If I remember that correctly. <gasps> I love finding out about friendships like that where people you sort of yeah. wouldn't expect. You're like, oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's like us. Oh. <laughs> like so it. before making it big, he was an exotic dancer in Tampa Bay. No surprise. Yeah. He was Magic Mark. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> His stage name was Meat. <laughs> no, it was M-E-E-T it was. or M-E-A-T. With an A. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Ripper. By the way, by the way, my stage name is Tofu. <laughs> it's good. You just absorb the energy of everyone around little, you. Yeah, a little bouncy. Yeah, you're <laughs> clean. Yeah, it's good. It's like a yeah, yeah, right. It's perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have a repeat offender. Repeat offender. There's Geneva Carr from the TV show Bull playing the Nancy Grace wannabe. NYPD, wake up. If this man isn't guilty, well, then Macy's doesn't sell pantyhose. She was in the original recipe episode, Reality Bites, playing an accountant who wouldn't come off her desk because she saw a mouse. (laughs) Wow. We do have a, hey, it's that girl. Hey, it's that girl. Did you catch who's playing the CSU tech who knows almost as much as Gorin? This gun is not a shoulder. Oh, he used to bipod. These scratch marks could be from the recoil. Put the shell casing with him. Shells come out hot? Very. To the right of the weapon. Who is it? It drove me crazy. I recognized She's her awesome. instantly. And I was like, I don't know who you are, but I know you. <laughs> That's Lynn Adriana Friedman. Four criminal intent appearances as this uh, part. She's had some bit parts in FBI, Sons of Anarchy, and Gone Girl. But she got her start as, ready? Yeah. A backup dancer for CNC Music Factory. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. The best. Guys, grab a girl. Don't wait. Make her twirl. Come on, what's the rest, Rebecca? Not going to do it. Not going to do it. It's your world, and I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut to move your butt oh, to the yeah. dance floor. So, yo, what's up? Yeah. Listen, she was awesome. She was she like, was. give me 20 minutes, and I'll tell you where that bullet came from. 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm surprised she and Gordon didn't just fuck right there on the terrace. Oh, my because God. That scene. 100%. That scene. You're smart and obnoxious as I am. That scene. Can we just talk about that for two seconds, please? Mm-hmm. This is where the scratch marks were, where the tripod was. This is where the burn mark is in the fake crash where the bullet came down. Then Gorin says, this is where the shooter was. I'm like, no fucking shit. This is what you guys have been talking about for the last 10 minutes while you've been standing here. What else did you think happened up here, Gorin? Come on, Gorin. <laughs> Way to underline it for us morons out here, Gorin. Yeah, that's some Chester Lake level detective work. Duh. He tried. By the way, one one line in that song from CNC Music Factory is, it's going to make you sweat till you bleed. Yeah. Mm. Going to make you sweat till you bleed. Do you have Ebola? Why would you sweat and then bleed? <laughs> it's just profuse sweating. I think we should just all be grateful we haven't experienced it. I mean, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds like a trip to the hospital, but still fun, like a fun trip to the hospital. I'm having, I'm dancing so hard. <laughs> I don't you know. want to clear a dance floor? Sweat till you yeah, bleed. There you go. It's not something that would happen to a dancer named Meat. <laughs> <laughs> I got the meat sweats. You gotta, you gotta let the juices settle. <laughs> That's how you know he's done. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the Y or some athletic club or something I was like, like a that. Bathhouse? What the hell was that? It didn't look nearly as seedy, but yeah, they would go to some place. There's a pool, and they're looking to talk to Bagolis. And there's some kind of bouncer who's like dressed for playing tennis. <laughs> Squash. Yeah, right. Like, you know, how often do you need a bouncer down by the indoor swimming pool? I don't know. But he says that Pagolas is in the sex- session and he can go in. Uh, and they walk in and he's naked on the table, face down, thank God. He's like, hey, I didn't know there were going to be chicks here. <laughs> I mean, other than the two chicks already rubbing me down, yeah. you know? Yeah. Wow. It was a bathhouse, right? No. I'm not wrong. It was it what was it's it? It's the club. So she keeps referring, his wife keeps referring to when at the club and at the club it's mm-hmm. the whatever this the country club or you know yeah. club ah. that they go to. Is it so the men's side? That's, that's their like the men's side? underground swimming pool there apparently oh, okay. that maybe turns okay. into something akin to the Playboy Mansion at night. Like the lights change and oh, then okay. everybody hangs out like the grotto. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. They switch a button and a mirror ball comes down. And CNC Music <laughs> Factory plays. That's what happens. Yes. <laughs> I think the floor probably closes up like in It's a Wonderful Life ah. in the school gymnasium. Yes. And then they got to be careful because if someone bumps in and opens it up, Jimmy Stewart's going to like do the Lindy backwards <laughs> into the water. Yes. And, hey, look, we know that one of the things that he does is carries a carpenter's chalk snapline. Well, look, look, look. I mean, for, <laughs> all right. Let me explain it for those who don't know. It's kind of like a measuring tape. It's a string that you pull out. It gets chalked up on the way. You pull it tight and you give it like a little snap, like a guitar string, and it, bang, it hits the floor. It creates a straight line. Bullshit. For, you know, for your floorboards and your tiling. So hmm. we still have to believe that this rich real estate developer walks around the job site Laying out chalk lines for everyone. Correct. All putting, the time. Putting chalk lines on the wall to hang like shiplap or whatever. Bullshit. That guy does not lay out chalk lines ever. I thought he was like, I thought that was for pool. Didn't you first think that when he saw the blue chalk on his hands and maybe he had just come from like the pool hall? That's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. He's on the job site 
We, you know, as the million dollar boss in a suit. From, that his driver just drove him to. Because we see the driver sitting in the car when he's standing there in a suit and hard hat. And he's in the building, what, snapping chalk lines? Bullshit. Yeah, he's not in the union. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very pro-labor episode. It is. Yeah. I love it's it. turned that way. I like it. Okay, do, you, do you want the boss to come in every day and say, like, hey, anyone need a chalk line? You know, hey, can I set that up for It's like, no, we put the floors down months ago. We don't need another straight chalk line. That's what lasers are for. Yeah. It's just coming in and messing stuff up. They're all like, oh, he's in today. Right. Great. And apparently he's using so much of it that he can't get the chalk off his hands. Which literally comes off with water. Yeah. Why not just use soap? Why do you need a masseuse to work on your hand? Do you remember when you were in grade school and someone was like, the teacher would be like, who wants to clean the chalkboard today? Mm. And you were like, I do. And all you needed was a giant sponge with what on it? Water. Because yeah. literally mm. that is all you need to get chalk off of anything <laughs> is water. It is not special. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's making so many chalk lines, it just it's he can't get it off his hands. <laughs> it's fine on his pants, but just his hands were, oh my God. I guess if your hands were so dry and they were cracking, so it was like in mm-hmm. the crevices of your fingerprint, that would make, no. But he's, again, he's no. wealthy. So I feel like he might have lotion. So... Yeah, there's that. It's like if he was carrying around like a Phillips head screwdriver. It's like, oh, I'm just in, I'm in construction. <laughs> I might find a drywall screw that I got to put in all the way. <laughs> That's how I make my billion dollars on this this high rise. You think Donald Trump walked around with spackle? Kevin, I swear to God, someone's going to write in and tell you drywall school screws are not put in with Phillips heads because I they know are they aren't. Not. No, they aren't. <laughs> they have those weird star patterns on them. No, no, no. no. You think it's, you think it's the whole screw i maybe he does good catch he's like give me a hard hat jeez boy he also doesn't seem like the character that's like i'm just one of the guys i come from nothing i'm gonna do this i mean he doesn't have that vibe either so no i don't think he's i think he's rarely on site if ever right yeah that's the one yeah. thing he always has, not a cell phone. Yeah, he just he leaves to- a cell phone in the car where his chauffeur can get it, but he's got his chalk line. Yeah. <laughs> the end of the first half. Yeah. We end with this scene of them getting into this allegedly violent fight where he throws her on the bed. Yeah. What the hell happened there? Do you have anything to do with Tommy's dying? That's funny, see, because I thought maybe it was you who put the hit out on me. I've certainly wanted you dead, George, but it's not a crime to want someone dead. Oh, little Let me go! Oh, hey. What are we left to assume? Do they have a physical fight? Do they have sex? Like, what happened? Well, Katie, if you watched movies in the 1930s and they faded to black, you know they made sweet, sweet love. <laughs> are you saying that I was born in the 1930s? Was that the no. intimation <laughs> that I see? I see how this is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that it's a really good question, and I would like an answer from the producer. I think it's just supposed to show that he's a bad guy? I, I don't know, but... I yeah. thought we were being led to believe that he was abusive. That was my okay. that was my thought. But again, it doesn't read much like that. Actually, it's a no. strange no. scene. I think we're just supposed to believe that he is disrespectful to his wife. <laughs> He's trying to drag her down like an albatross. <laughs> oh, who's the real albatross in this episode, my friends? Oh boy! Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. 
I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Gorn and Eames look into whether the bullet was actually intended for George Pagolis. Do you still think that he was the target? We're not sure. That far away, the shooter had to be told, get the guy in gray. So if the hit was meant for the judge, then somebody told the sniper about the costume change, and the only people who knew about the judge and my husband. An informant says a guy fitting the Pagolis driver's description approached him about taking out a judge. The driver, David Aldrin, they start calling Dave O. Dave O. That was confusing. Yep. Hmm. Davo says that at Pagolis's direction, he gave a bunch of money to an army sniper. At the man's apartment, the detectives find he's been garroted and uncover the sniper rifle. His phone records show that he called Pagolis's cell phone the morning of the shooting. When they bring Pagolis in for questioning, he sets off the metal detector. The carpenter's chalk line in his pocket isn't wound with string. It's wound with the piano wire used to strangle the sniper. Wow. Pagola says he's being set up. He claims his wife has been bugging his phone, so her audio tapes will prove that he didn't talk to the assassin. Well, he's right. They proved that Dave talked to the assassin on Pagolas's phone. Under the mildest of questioning, the driver admits to setting up the hit and killing the sniper. Why did he do it? To improve Mrs. Pagolis's political viability, the oldest motive in the book. <laughs> because they can't leave well enough alone, they got to ask more questions of Senator Pagolis. She admits she heard Dave's plan to kill George on her recordings, but didn't intervene. And when she saw at the duel that the men had swapped coats, well, it was too late to stop the plan. Hmm. Well, look, it wouldn't be a criminal intent episode without a wild supposition based on circumstantial evidence. (laughs) So this sniper had to have military training, Dave. Now, we know you weren't in the military, but your half brother was. Come on. (laughs) But you got a half brother. He was in special forces. I bet he'd know some super snipers. <laughs> who among us does not have a distant relative somewhere in their family tree who was in the military who might know people? Yeah, he was in special forces. <laughs> wow. He's also just the best sniper ever, right? Because they bring that up multiple times, that this person is the perfect shot. He's the one. He's Neo in his shooting ability. So it just so <laughs> happens that that is Devo's half-brother. Maybe a dozen people on the eastern seaboard could have made that shot, right? That's yeah. what my, my CSU friend says at the beginning. Why not talk to them? <laughs> yeah. What are they up to? So the cleanup plan for this murder is to go to the apartment of the super assassin, hmm. kick in the door, kill him by sneaking up from behind him, wrapping piano wire around his throat, and then pulling it tight until the highly trained warrior is dead. Why not just shoot him in the fucking head? That would seem like a more efficient plan. (laughs) A cleaner plan, perhaps. This super dangerous guy, we're just going to go in and kill him in the most dangerous, intimate way possible? But it would be harder to plant a gun in George's pocket than it would be to plant a piano wire that looks like (laughs) chalk tape. Oh, correct. (laughs) Storyline wise. How come Dave's fingers weren't all covered with chalk? I don't know. You know, you had to pull the whole wire out, get the chalk out, put the piano wire in it. I love when they, I love when they bust into that guy's apartment, mm-hmm. and she Eames goes, "No sign of the murder weapon." 
Well, no sign of the murder weapon. I'm like, you just fucking got there. Of course there's no sign of the murder weapon. Well, what were you looking for, an anvil? <laughs> that would be like walking into our house and being like, no sign of the Le Creuset. I'm like, you just got here. <laughs> you haven't even opened a single kitchen cabinet yet. Of course there's no sign of my crock pottery yet. <laughs> wow. Um, also, Davo wears gloves. He's a driver, right? So he would not yeah. have shot. Yeah. There you go. Uh, he was driving gloves. Wash it out of his gloves. Yeah, there you go. But can you imagine trying to thread that with your driving gloves? Yeah. And still keep all the DNA? I don't know. To a highly trained assassin. To say there's a plot hole in a criminal intent episode is, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's like a vacuum cleaner spool where you just like pull it real fast and then and then let it go and it just goes, it goes right in there real fast. Oh, yeah. I guess once you get it in, yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. So they look around the apartment and Goran suspects something with the house plan. So- he walks over, rips off his rubber glove, and then inserts a finger like a dyslexic gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. There's nothing wrong, by the way. With it, that, I mean, first of all, there's nothing that would disqualify you from being a gynecologist if you had dyslexia at all. Oh, okay. FYI, you just have to. You can't do it in inverse order. Correct. Put but, the glove on, and that yeah. Okay. Yes, uh, but I think what was going on there was that he was saying the soil on the plant would be dry if the radiator were a real radiator, mm-hmm. and the soil on the plant was moist, even though the guy had been dead for days. And who the fuck was watering that plant? That was my big question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. The plant waterer just came in, stepped over the body. That's not my job, but my job is to water that plant. So I'm going to get that done and then just scooch out of here. Why wouldn't you just strangle the plants, too? (laughs) I'm I'm surprised you didn't just smell the gunpowder from a mile away. (laughs) So there's a subplot in which Eames admires Senator Pagolis as a high-achieving woman. A woman politician taking the fall for her corrupt husband. You never see it go the other way. You look up to her, don't you? Very much. Word to the wise, don't let that get in the way of your investigation. And she is miffed that her husband's failings overshadow her accomplishments, and she is not happy that Gorin is making trouble for her. Hmm. So they have this fight and make up before we know anything happened? <laughs> yeah. Correct. Are we all right? I hope so. Are we okay? You seem fine. You're having drinks together, guys. Do they do they not seem fine to you the whole time, Katie? Completely fine. That's why I was asking about this sort of subplot, because it, it's a little um, weak. It's hard to figure out exactly what's happening. It doesn't seem like Goran is going particularly hard after her. Does that make sense? Right. So I don't yeah. know where there would be a fight. Also, how often do they drink on this show? While you're waiting, can I get you folks something? I have a Glen Devitt. Uh, vodka martini double easy on the vermouth. I was sort of surprised when they oh. when he orders the Glen Levitt and the she orders the double martini. Double, yeah, yeah. Gordon and Eames did not come to play. No, yeah, they're like we're <laughs> they're on the job. Yeah, I loved it. We're having a drink, drink. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. But they, I, this was what makes me suspect always, as I always do, that they shoot like double the amount of scenes they need. But yeah. the ones they cut are always the ones that would have been useful for us to understand what the hell is going on here. And that this is that. Because she's obviously with her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We never really see her do that a lot. Nope. Like we see like little hints of it, but we never really see him not be with her. And then it's like, are we okay? And I'm like, yeah, you guys seem fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's been six years. You're going to have to. If you, have, if you haven't tried to kill him by now, you're not going to. <laughs> We've already established you're his mom. Everything's fine. 
Uh, so they get Dave in the interrogation room, and they tell him what they think, and he says, yeah, I did it. Where do I sign? <laughs> Basically. I guess you decided to frame Pagolas for the murders. That would be your way of getting rid of him. You got me. I did it. I hired Steve. He shot the judge. Then I killed him. You want me to sign something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else think he was so quick to say yes that maybe he didn't actually do it? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a red herring, for sure. I was like, okay, so this is all going to lead back and there's like a few people and they're going to be in it together. Oh, I had a much more complicated theory of what happened here that was incorrect. Well, what was that? What was it? Oh, I thought they were in it together. I thought because they kept saying, what does he have on her about the husband and wife? And I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to find out that he has something on her. And they plotted all this together to get the judge. Mm -hmm. I thought that it Mm -hmm. was like a tag team and they were doing crimes all over the city. I thought it was going to just be much And the judge still was the actual target? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I have a question about that. Yeah. Okay. Because did she tell... Dave to tell the assassin to shoot the guy in the gray coat? No, 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 no. Apparently, Dave came up with the whole thing himself. And he said, he said shoot the guy, in, guy the gray, in the gray coat. And he didn't say, shoot this guy who looks like this? No, remember, it's a mile away. <laughs> but he, he can't but see. He's they're, all, they're wearing powdered wigs and shit. But they thought he'd be able to see the sign language? No, they obviously didn't see the sign <laughs> That's an excellent point. No, because when they saw through the scope, I mean, no, you actually can. See. So I, I, I really think that, that he could have just shown him a picture and that may have helped. No, that would. The, Not the, the guy with the beard. That would be stupid and suck. Just, <laughs> the changing of the coats is a great clue. Okay. But he basically just says, okay, I did it. You know, I had the balls to kill up close a dangerous assassin and, a, and frame a powerful person. But your calm reasoning has won the day. And by the way, I'm I'm in your hu- with I'm with your husband in a car all the time. I'm up close with him constantly. I have many many opportunities to kill him, yes. and I just didn't do it myself for some reason. He could have killed him and thrown his body in the river, and nobody would have known. Mm-hmm. Or at least yeah. made it look more like an accident. Done it in a right. way right. that you know. Wow. Yeah. Where did this driver come up with twenty grand to pay a, a sniper? <laughs> He's a driver. (laughs) I think he stole it from one of the mafia I was going to say, did he take it from an envelope? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe Pagolis is just like skimming so much money after being his own carpenter (laughs) that he's able, he just has got mad money. Yeah, they both, both Gorn and Eames looked like really surprised that he confessed. Actually, Gorn looked a little disappointed. Yeah, that was easy. (laughs) He had this whole Gorn explication he was going to go through step by step, but he didn't get to do it. Tilt his head to the side. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, can you just not confess just yet? I have this whole monologue I rehearsed. (laughs) You're going to love it. I'm going to have my Perry Mason moment. Yeah. (laughs) She was bugging every aspect of his life. And then what she actually is getting arrested for at the end is the fact that she was wiretapping without his yep. knowledge. Not that she didn't not that she didn't stop the murder from happening. I yeah, I they never explained what the criminal liability of that would be. I mean, even like with one sentence it would probably have cleared that up. But yeah, apparently this powerful politician is going to jail for 
wiretapping her own husband. No, she's yes. not. She is. There's no way that would really happen. That would not, right? That's so small, isn't Are you questioning the reality of criminal intent <laughs> never. <laughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. Never. I would never I wouldn't dare. So she was hiring people to like follow them around yeah. kind of thing? This isn't very expensive bugging. This is <laughs> Yeah. Especially when she said, I stopped listening to the tapes. <laughs> but I couldn't fire the guy. It's like when you have a bad cleaning lady oh. and you just like oh, yeah, you, you, you want to get rid of her, but you really can't yeah. bring yourself to because have you're not a the conversation. Kind of person who can ever be mean to people. Like I can't relate to that yeah. anyway. You're just like, please let there be a pandemic and she can't come in the house and we'll just <laughs> we'll just ghost the rest of the, the time. Oh, just a nice exit. That's yeah. Yeah. There you go. Just a nice exit. A nice non confrontational <laughs> exit is what we, we would really like and I think maybe we've divulged too much about our personal life on this podcast <laughs> I know what you're talking about though I do my mother had a problem at the hair salon she did not like her stylist and wanted to switch to a different one but you can't in the same you salon you're nope. done that's it nope. that's too nope. awkward not until they die until they die <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for a Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode takes some inspiration from the scandals of Fox News personality Janine Pirro <laughs> and her husband, <laughs> Albert. Janine started her legal career as an assistant district attorney but was criticised by bosses for seeking publicity and taking credit for others' work. She served as a judge for two years before being elected district attorney of West Chester County. Albert was a high-priced lawyer. Together they lived a lavish lifestyle, rubbing elbows with the likes of Tommy Hilfiger and Donald Trump. While they thrived professionally, not all was well within their personal lives. Albert was hit with a paternity suit by a Florida woman he claimed was unstable but he was ordered to pay child support to his illegitimate daughter in 1998. In 1999, Albert was charged with conspiracy and tax evasion. He had illegally deducted more than a million dollars of personal expenses as business write-offs. He was sentenced to 29 months in federal prison. Meanwhile, Janine Pirro ran for re-election as DA while her husband was behind bars. He was released on good behaviour after serving 17 months and completing an alcohol treatment programme. Janine and Albert Pirro separated in 2007 and divorced in 2013 after 38 years of marriage. So uh, Albert Pirro was pardoned by Donald Trump 45 minutes before Biden was sworn in. Wow. Apparently Trump woke up that morning and said he wanted to add one more thing and that made everybody scramble. That was the last act of the Trump administration. Huh. It was? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, they became friends on the social circuit, the Trumps and the Piros. The Piros held a masquerade ball at Trump's mansion. Janine was dressed as 
Queen Isabella of Spain. <laughs> now, Janine Pirro, didn't she, when she was uh, the DA of Westchester yeah. County, she prosecuted or tried to prosecute Robert Durst, right? Or passed on prosecuting him or something like that. I remember yeah. her yeah. from oh. the Jinx. Yep. Yep. This was the pre-Trump era. This was back when she was just a, quote, like legal expert talking about the, the Durst case. Yeah. And I remember being like, she looks familiar. I know her from like some other contacts. And then, of course, when like the whole Trump administration thing, and I'm like, that's the jinx lady. What is she doing <laughs> in all these political situations? Ew, ew, ew. Yeah, she's something else that Judge Janine Pirro, mm-hmm. really. And Cicely, what's her name? Cicely Strong. Strong. I was yeah, going to say Cicely, Cicely Tyson. Cicely Strong. Cicely Strong plays, uh, plays her on Saturday Night Live. Yes. Good, great impression. So, yeah, I think you heard that right, that... Her husband went to jail at the same time she was running for re-election as district attorney. <laughs> and she won again, and her husband was behind bars. Uh, but he was serving his sentence at the minimum security federal prison camp at Elgin Air Force Base in Elgin, Florida. Hmm. It has a tennis court and a secluded bay inlet for sunbathing. Camp Cupcake. Pretty much, that just seems like a really great vacation. <laughs> what? I mean, if you went on a, if you went to a, a resort, you'd be happy if they had a tennis court. And not uh, you, you don't play tennis. Well, I don't play. I would. <laughs> I'd have to learn. Have One to- a person would be happy. Maybe what a sunbathing alcove. What does it have? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it has a yeah a place to go sunbathing, and I mean, it sounds like a place you wouldn't want to escape from. It sounds better than our house. Yeah. It sounds better than our <laughs> <laughs> Well, not the Piro's house. Some of the things that he illegally deducted as business expenses were vet bills for the family's potbelly pigs. Wow. And a Ferrari. Oh, that's suspect. <laughs> I mean. I need this for my business. <laughs> yeah, Ferrari. Business. Wow. I need, I need these pot-bellied pigs. Yes, pot-bellied pigs. Pot, does it say how many pot-bellied pigs? I'm just out of curiosity. A plural. Yeah. A, a number greater than one, apparently. I, I hate that you just said that. Because Why? that's like the only thing that could potentially make them likable is that they had like cute pets i hate it i hate hearing that hateable people have like cute animals that actually take care of them and take them to the vet i hate that but then there's a number that it's not cute anymore that's why i'm asking is it 30 or is it (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) some of it's upsetting maybe those vet bills were for euthanasia and then i can call them evil oh yeah that's probably think it was that (laughs) he made he made his clients pay for the euthanasia (laughs) of his pot belly pigs now you can now you can hate yeah there we go so by the way like on this episode uh, al did have loose mob ties Uh that caused janine to drop a bid for lieutenant governor Uh uh-huh and uh, the tax arrest caused her to abandon a run for U.S. Senate. So instead, she got a job at Fox News, which is just so much better for society. <laughs> they have very high hiring standards there, from what I understand. They, they do. Sure. She sent in a little pig with a bow. <laughs> the best. Hire me. Little Tucker. Tucker Winkson was its name. <laughs> <laughs> Porker Carlson. We, ah, Porker Carlson. That's great. So if we hear uh, loose mafia ties, we're just, that's a, you have mafia ties. Yes. Loose mafia yeah, ties means in you're in construction. Okay. You're yes. yes. Well, I th- the thing was that the FBI had a wiretap on some uh, mob figures and Piro's name came up as yeah. having uh, having given a tip to somebody who was being investigated. So, so Janine is currently being sued for two point seven billion dollars, 
Uh, Semantic is suing Fox News and her for libel about its voting machines in 2020. I don't think she has the $2.7 billion. (laughs) I know when she could get it. She's going to sell the Ferrari. (laughs) Riding off that Ferrari and pot-bellied pig bed bill, right? Yeah. So Albert spent $70,000 fighting a paternity suit so he wouldn't have to pay $400 a month to his love child. $400 a month? Yeah. That would have been what he'd have to pay. Which, you know, I mean... For that guy, come on, that's like two pot belly pigs. <laughs> He's a champion. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> By the way, now the daughter is seeking child support from him for her daughter, Albert's mm. granddaughter. Man, that is the fuck that keeps on fucking. (laughs) That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Katie Mitchell. Katie, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, they can follow us at a date with Dateline on Twitter and Instagram and not TikTok because I don't understand (laughs) it. I'm going to try. I thought you were going to give it a shot. I've been saying that for about six months to a year. But don't throw away your shot. Shot. <laughs> you beat me again. Kimberly, I love right. Hamilton. <laughs> That's all you need and to Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and not TikTok. I am there, but I don't do anything except lurk oh. at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.